Instagram live episode recordings. Make in the comment. All righty. So we are live. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the Queen's Cup podcast. Welcome to the Queen's Cup podcast. This is our episode 14, and we are going to do a live episode with you guys. So if you have questions, if you have comments, drop them below in the comments tab. We're going to be checking as we go along. I'm Al Teresa, and this is Erica. And welcome to the Queen's Cup podcast. So we're going to go through the flow of how we do the podcast. So the first thing we do is we do chatting with R&R. And so for those who don't know, it's just to catch you guys up on what we are doing in the past two weeks from the last episode, you heard our voices. So I'll go first. Um, For those who don't know, I think I say it quite often, but I am a entrepreneur and I have my own private practice. So I am doing an open house, which is super exciting for my new office space. So um, I've been working on that, getting things situated. It's going to be in person and virtual with COVID precautions. So I'm super, super, super excited about that. And so I've just been working really hard to do that and helping um, plan for my cousin's brunch. So I'm not an event planner. I hate planning stuff, but (laughs) I have been enlisted to help. So that is what I've been doing. So what have you been up to, Erica? Okay, guys. So I'm still on my health journey, a lifestyle change. So I had doubled it up to um, going walking twice a day. So this week I'm slipping because I got homework and stuff I got to do. So <laughs> I can't ready. I can't wait for this semester to be over, but then there's more still. So, but um, other than that, I'm still working towards work, uh, getting my book released. So that's coming soon. I'm excited about that. So I've gotten the ball rolling on some things and just working towards that. So it's coming soon. So that's what I, that's what I've been up to. All righty. So we both have just have just been busy grinding, doing oh, yes, <laughs> doing, doing, doing. So um, our next episode, our next segment is core conversations, and this is where the meat and potatoes of the episode will be we are going to talk about a lot of things. And so this topic is chain breakers. The legacy can be heavy, but you can carry the load. And so um, we want to talk about a few things. And so the first question is, what does legacy mean to you? So I'll let you answer first, Erica. So a legacy to me is basically what what you leave behind. Um, there's a saying of, you know, the graveyard is the richest place because, you know, we leave a lot of, you know, our people, I'm saying we, (laughs) leave a lot of our dreams and, you know, things that we, uh, purpose to do, but we didn't do, you know, so, um, to me, legacy is leaving what you leave behind, you know, what you pass on to the generations that are to come, whether it be, um, giving it, passing your legacy onto your children or you know your life's purpose and what you what you do to make things better 
for someone other than yourself. And for me, I don't have children yet, but I want to leave a legacy for my godchildren. I want to leave a legacy for my future children. So that's important to me. Uh, um, excuse me. So, you know, I press hard not only for myself because I want to leave something behind. I want my children not to have to experience some of the things that I've gone through, but right. also wanting to, you know, give them a leg up because, you know, other cultures have done this for centuries. And I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. in some areas um, as a as a people, we're behind, but that doesn't have to be so. So um, that's what legacy means to me is leaving an inheritance for those behind, those who are here now even, you know, right. because there's always someone watching and you can make an impact whether you don't understand that you are. Um, there's always someone watching and you can you can change lives. So for me, a legacy looks like poems that impact other people, um, humanitarian acts, just a number of things, but that's my hope for now and the future. Right, right. And I, I definitely agree with everything you said. For me, it's very similar. Um, it's what I leave behind for my two kids, um, what I leave behind for them so that they have a bigger leg to stand on than I did. You know, growing up, um, a lot of Black people don't necessarily have the means or the mm-hmm. property, the, the funds, the estates, the, all the things that other races necessarily pass down. I'm not saying that all Black people don't have that leg to stand on. But I know as far as my family, I didn't have that, right? So I was a first-generation college student. Nobody else in my immediate family had went to college. So for Mm -hmm. me, that was a first. And so being able to do that um, Mm -hmm. allowed me to create the legacy that I want for my children so that they don't have to necessarily go through the same struggles that I went through. The lessons that I learned and the things that I had to learn, um, sometimes the hard way, I don't want them to have the same struggles. So the legacy that I think that not I think, but that I want to leave for my kids is that they don't necessarily have to do all the extra work that I had. Right. To I'm not saying that I don't want them to work, but for example, like teaching financial literacy is something that I never learned. You know, I had to learn the hard way in college, like maxing out my credit cards and messing my credit up. Like mm-hmm. those are things I want to teach my children that we are teaching our children how to save. That's something that was not, it was foreign to me for a very long time, even well into my adulthood. So financial literacy is one of the, the definite things that I want to make sure that I leave behind as a legacy for my kids, that they have a, a savings account and that they have trust and bonds and that they know, you know, world history and certain things that we don't necessarily know, uh, know or learn in school. You know, we talk right. about black history, but it's Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks and Malcolm X, right? <laughs> teaching my kids like more black history and the richness of our culture and things like that that means that I those are some of the things when I think about this legacy of what I want to leave behind but also my footprint that I leave on this earth right because I believe that I wasn't God didn't place me on this earth just for myself right he placed me to touch the lives of others by some shape or form and so to me that means you know what everything that I do making sure that throughout my life, I'm helping people along the way. And even if it's just a small amount of help, I don't necessarily have to be Mother Teresa, but I truly believe that whatever my purpose is, how I help people, that affects and changes the world. And so my mindset was always like, 
think big, right? I've always thought about how can I affect change on a bigger level than myself. Right. And even though I'm striving to do that, that's ultimately my goal. And one of the things that I think about as far as legacy. And so you don't necessarily have to have children to have a legacy. You right. can definitely leave something behind or affect change to other people or even strangers. Uh, but first and foremost, my legacy is my, my family and what I leave behind for my family, especially for my children and future generations. Right. I agree. And the legacy can, it can be in a field, it can be in your, your workplace, it can mean so many different things. And I think the part about the legacy, the, you know, the load can be heavy, or the, the legacy can be heavy, but we're strong enough to carry this that, you know, you will have opposition, you will have things that are that help happen to you unexpectedly, because we don't have, a, we don't have a map of, okay, this is going to happen at this point in time when you least expect it, or, you know, things are going fine and you just have like that that slip or pitfall or whatever you know situation that is going to happen because that's life but you know to continue to press on because you can make it through and I know it can be rough and for me um I know at one point um in my life I was having seizures like every single day and Mm -hmm. it was crazy and at that point I was just told God, you know, just let me die in my sleep. I just was over it. I was over of like emotionally, financially, physically. I was having trouble sleeping. I mean, on every hand, I was just, I just felt oppressed. I just felt like, right. I'd rather just go, you know, but it was still that fighting in me, you know, saying that, you know, I had everything to still live for, to press and to fight on. And through prayer and family, you know, I was able to make it through. But still at that point, like it was me, you know, that had to put that best foot forward, you know, to overcome. So, you know, I prayed and fasted and I was able to overcome that. But if I didn't, I, to be honest, I wouldn't be here. It was just one of those do or die moments in my life that I knew that if I didn't do it, no matter what anybody else did or how much anybody else prayed, like I wasn't going to make it through. So, you know, even, you know, fighting for your life can be part of your journey, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, um, opposition comes in many ways. Absolutely. And, you know, look, looking at Erica during that time, it was definitely a scary, a scary moment. But to know and see like her fight and determination to even in the darkest moments, be like, if I don't get through this, nobody else is going to be able to will me through this. I have to get the strength to get, go through this. And that's some of the things like in the title of what we call this as chain breakers, like some of the chains that we had to break off of us and whether that was opposition, that was fight, that was negativity, that was naysayers, that was um, no support, that was, you know, a dream deferred. All of these things are chains that you had to break. And so um, for me, I would definitely say is that even like I said, being a first generation college student, there were a lot of generational curses that um, just went through generation to generation in my family. And for those who don't necessarily understand what those are, those are those are kind of struggles that your family, those are like embedded in your family. So like yeah. pregnancy. In your bed, bloodline. Yeah. In your bloodline. So in your family. So like certain patterns and things you see like alcoholism, drug addiction, poverty, um, teen pregnancy, those are some of the things that are generational curses, but there can be a lot of generational curses 
that if you don't notice them, they will continuously repeat and that cycle will go on and on and on and on. And so for me, I made a conscious decision to say, you know, a lot of the generational curses in my family, I did not want those things to fall on my children and my future bloodline. So I had to do work against those things. And so for me, um, some of the bigger generational curses that were in my family is, well, one, college education was something that was just not in the family. You know, a lot of, some of my family members barely graduated from high school. And so I knew that I wanted better. I knew that I wanted more. I knew that I saw the life that some of my family members lived. And I knew that I, it had to be more to that. And it's not to discredit, discredit. Life, mm -hmm. but it's just to say that I wanted more. And so I, you know, I grew up poor. And so I knew what it meant to, mm -hmm. you know, not have the luxuries or the things that you want. Or so I knew that I wanted different for my children. You know, I wanted to be able to take them on trips and do all these things that, when you are not financially uh, stable, you know, you can't necessarily do those things. And so I knew right. that college for me was a way to get to that point. And so I knew I had to work really hard to get to college. And for me, that was one of the generational curses because, you know, I didn't love school, but I knew that, you know, um, my aunt was hard on me because she knew that I, I had the potential to be whatever I wanted to be. And so, um, I saw that and knew that that was something that I wanted to come, you know, I wanted to do. And it, it wasn't until I got older until I realized what generational curses were, you know, what that meant. And for a lot of people, when you, there's a saying that I don't want to be like my parents, or I don't want to be like my dad or my this or my dad, my sister, my cousin. And then you wind up being like that. Those are generational curses. And so a lot of times, like, for example, uh, substance abuse runs in my family. And so I knew that that was prevalent in my family. And so I made a choice to not indulge in drugs because I knew that was a stronghold on a lot of my family members, which was a, it's a, it's a generational curse. And so for me, I made that choice not to think that I'm better or not to say that, you know, they're less than, but to know that that was a heavy struggle. And so I chose not to even attempt to go down that route right and so for me I knew that that was a generational curse but it took time for me to front to realize that but a lot of times there are a lot of things that you may go through and you don't realize like why do I have this stronghold or why is it so heavy on me why can't I overcome this thing and it's like it's heavy in your bloodline and for those who are spiritual people you understand that we don't war against earthly things but spiritual spiritual things too and so those things are heavy on our family members and on us and if we don't do something to break those chains and to break those strongholds they will continue for line for line after line after line on family and so those are uh, those are some of the generational curses that I knew that I didn't necessarily want to carry on to my children because I knew how much of a, a burden or how heavy it was on the family members that I saw that had to struggle and go through that. And so, you know, thinking about generational curses and chains that you had to break, sometimes you have to take some self-reflection to really think like, well, what's something I'm really struggling with and why? And so that's what I would say. And that's one of the bigger, the bigger things what we wanted to highlight is those chains that you have to break off your life. I agree. I agree. Because a lot of times, and sometimes we stuff come up against us that we don't even know that's in our bloodline. 
Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like why why do I struggle in this area? Why is this so hard? Why does things seem like other people can't remember this and that? It's just like why is this so right? Hard? It's just like it's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different uh, battle for you to face that you know other people may not or most people won't. But um, that doesn't mean that you absolutely can't overcome that. So I agree. I agree. Like it's a lot having to <laughs> not just deal with normal quote-unquote life but those other things that that happen no definitely absolutely and another uh side to that is thinking about um your purpose right so thinking about change you had to overcome but the reason why you're you're overcoming those things right the thing that you are destined or put on this earth to do and so a lot of what I do in the work that I do is centered around healing, but also about purpose, right? Because I feel like a lot of people sometimes feel lost or they feel empty or they feel like, you know, why am I here? What am I doing? I'm just living this mundane day-to-day life. And I feel like there's no end in sight, especially if you're at a place where you hate what you, what you do and things like that. But the where it falls in is that purpose is what we're supposed to be doing on this earth. Purpose is the reason why sometimes you go through some of the strongholds and some of the struggles in life is because if you're a spiritual person, then you know that your destiny is great and you know that God has a bigger plan for your life. And a lot of times the enemy will throw things at you, especially when he knows you're getting close, especially if he knows you finally realize who you are and step into the things that you're supposed to do, then you definitely have sometimes a stronger fight against a lot of things and so I think that purpose yes. is something that that drives me and definitely should drive a lot of people especially when you have a destiny and a purpose greater than yourself on your life sorry I had to mute for a minute yes I definitely agree um your purpose definitely comes into your to play into play because that's the catalyst for everything else that's going to happen in your life whether it being being married or stepping into that next journey or the next level in your life that you know that will, you know, fashion that legacy. So um, a lot of people don't, you know, they don't reach their life's purpose. They mm-hmm. die without having fulfilled it. And I think um, a, like a very well part of that is, you know, even being in a relationship, like they people don't realize that if you're with somebody who doesn't, you know, complement your purpose, then your, um, your life, you may not excuse me, you may not reach your greatest destiny or it might be 10 times harder because that person that you're connected to, you're not supposed to. And they just make things harder for you to get to that next level in your life, you know? And sometimes people, you know, even marry the wrong person. And they just wonder, it's like, you know, God, I had all these plans and they never come into fruition because, you know, even being in marriage, you know, it's a life partnership. Right. So if you have a partner that's, you know, not walking with you in agreement then it's just going to make things way more difficult than they have to be so you know even being single that's something that I often think about I'm just like I don't want to marry the wrong person Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to you know I don't want to miss out on my destiny or my purpose or you know things of that sort so I mean it was just kind of a side note but that's something that I absolutely thought about (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you know it's important like that that bond you know y'all supposed to support each other y'all supposed to help each other out so 
100%. you have to be careful of who you connected to and even outside of marriage friends family you have to watch who you connected to mm. speaking of connections so let's talk about support right so and we talked about purpose and destiny and you know bigger than yourself but let's talk about support right when you're on this journey to find yourself and your career, your purpose, your, your destiny, all your legacy and all that stuff. We, I want to talk about sometimes the lack of support mm. or when you have support, because those are, those things are important. I just talked about this with my coaching clients in my group about when you're on this journey of finding what you want to do in your purpose and, you know, in your life with, you might not have that support. And a lot of times, depending on, you know, where you start out, it can be hurtful. You know, when I first started my, my business, I didn't necessarily have all the support I thought I would have. And for me, it was devastating. Like, you know, um, it would be moments where I was upset. I was sad. I was just like, well, why are these people not supporting my dream? And why are these people not buying or sharing or doing this and doing that? And then, you know, the reality is someone close to me had to say, but God didn't give them that dream. That's not their dream. And because they don't support you, that shouldn't stop you from pursuing that dream either. And so a lot of times we get caught up in, well, why is this person not supporting me? And why is that person not supporting me? And what I would say to that is do it anyways, like do it without the support. Because the reality is, is that the pe- most of the people you look up to and, and, and you admire and we all admire, they didn't have that support either. They were the underdog. No one anticipated them being the person that they are today. They had a million doors slammed in their face. They had a million no's. They had a lot of people saying they would be nothing. And they still decided to press forward and do it anyways. And I'm glad that, you know, that realization finally came to me in my head. Like, girl, you don't need these people. And not to say that you're better than them, but you literally don't need these people. Like the right people will come along, they will help you. And I have to say, hands down in this journey of doing my my group practice, like God has definitely led the right people in my life. Like people who help me that I have no idea that they're helping me. They're not, they don't say anything. They don't ask for the clout, the accolades. They do it and say nothing about it. And so when I tell people like, you don't necessarily need those friends and family that don't support you, you really don't need them. And it's not to say like, you know, forget about them, but it's to say like, do it anyways, because I can tell you, I have had so many people support me um, where I had friends and family that didn't. Right. And it was a shock. Cause it's like, it was like, Oh my God, why are they not support? Like I've supported them. I've been there for them. Why are they not supporting me? And that's something that I had to really deal with on my own to, to deal, to come to the realization that they just won't and that's okay. And like, and I say, I tell myself all the time, I want to be a millionaire, right? That is one of my goals. I want that financial wealth to pass down to my children. No matter how many family and friends I have, they will not make me a millionaire. No matter how many <laughs> books they buy, how many boxes they buy, how many clients they send my way, they just will not this make me true. a millionaire. They will support if they can, but the reality is that strangers are going to be the people that help push this dream forward. And that's just the reality of it. 
So when you're thinking about, oh my God, these people are not supporting me. Why not? Why not? Okay, be sad about it for a moment, but you get back up and you push forward on that dream with or without the help because the right people will come along to help you on your dream towards your purpose. It's, you know, we're human and we feel things, but I would say, you know, you got to get up and you got to keep rocking and rolling because if you allow that to stop you, you will never reach your goals. Right. Right. And also I wanted to mention, I wanted to mention this It's something, I hope I'm saying it correctly, that my mom uh, told me, you know, um, in her church, they talk about, you know, having destiny helpers. And from what um, my interpretation is, you know, people who help catapult you into your destiny, people who um, will push you, people who will support you. So, you know, on top of, you know, having that legacy and sometimes it being hard and wanting that support system or needing that support system is that, you know, asking God to send those destiny helpers. And not only that, when you have, into, ask God to send resources, because what is money without resources? What is money without having a wisdom of knowing what to do with it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I, I'll never forget, I watched this, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to, I try to condense it. <laughs> condense it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it was it was this documentary that I watched, and the man was homeless, and he was given. Um, they made it so this dumpster that he would go and um, I guess skirmish through or scrimmage through or whatever the word is, <laughs> look you know, for stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> look for stuff. So um, he they put a briefcase with a hundred this is a true story they put a briefcase with a hundred thousand dollars in it so basically Mm. if you if you bless a homeless person with a hundred thousand dollars what would they do so Mm -hmm. the man found the money prior to the um prior to him finding the money of course he was homeless he didn't have a home but he would collect cans and stuff like that and the person who was his best friend was a high school student who had just turned 18. He was in his senior year of um, high school. So he would come to where the the guy worked at this recycle place and, you know, they would chit chat or whatever. So um, when he got the money, um, the first, one of the first things, if not the first thing he did, he bought the guy a car. So he bought the guy a car. He went and got him a truck and he went and got like a condo, which wasn't, in my opinion, wasn't a good move for him at the time because he didn't have a job. So $100,000 not going to last forever. So he went and got a condo and then the rest of the money, the rest of the money he spent on women and, you know, getting drunk and partying and blowing the money on people who didn't even really matter. So he was estranged from his family. So I thought, you know, you know, as a lot of, typically what happens is that, you know, those people who wasn't around, they'll start showing their face. But Mm-hmm. His family, who he was estranged for, like, they didn't want nothing from him. They was just, like, still trying to give him good advice, and he didn't take it. Long story short, after approximately six months of him having this money, he didn't have anything to show for it. The car, mm-hmm. uh, I think he, I don't even know if he got to keep the, no, he didn't have the truck anymore. Because I remember in the last part of the document, I think he was riding around on a bike. So they asked him, you know, how much money do you have left? And from what they calculated, it was between six hundred to three thousand dollars out of a hundred thousand dollars. 
So, you know, you can be blessed at a moment's notice, but if you don't have the resources or the, right. you know, the mental capacity or the wisdom to do, to know what to do with it, like you can blow it like that. Just like yeah. people who won, well, win the lottery for millions of dollars and mm-hmm. then, you know, it's gone with nothing really to show for it. So that's just something that I pray for. Like when I do have the income, you know, that God gave me strategy on how to keep it and not only keep it, but, you know, want some residual income. Right. No, absolutely. And so to just tie back to the destiny helpers thing, I truly believe that, you know, God puts people in our life for a reason. And so if there are people around you who, um, you know, help you along the way, definitely acknowledge those people. Um, you know, my mentor, um, when I started growing into a group practice, when I started hiring employees, she sent some of the first employees that I had my way without me even asking her to do it. She just did it. And so, um, you know, to me, I was so grateful because I'm just like, she didn't have to do that. Like I didn't ask, like she didn't ask for anything in return. Like she, she poured that into me and it's, and sometimes people sow the seeds into your life and you don't necessarily pay attention to them, but definitely, you know, acknowledge those people. And I'm not saying like, you know, cut them a check, but I'm saying in any way, shape, or form, like <laughs> some people might need a check. They might deserve that check. No, I'm saying, listen, if you can cut the check, cut the check, okay? But I'm saying, like, definitely acknowledge okay. just, and say, wait, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I'm wait, I'm away from my check, Erica. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to talk about me, but I'll take it. <laughs> um yeah so sometimes these people are not necessarily people you think that will help propel you into your destiny but they can be sometimes complete strangers I know we talked about this in an episode before about people who helped us along the way that we really Mm -hmm. know and so these people I guess we would classify as destiny helpers they don't necessarily understand the magnitude of the plant the seed that they plant in your life but it definitely they have no idea you know, a lot of people, they, they don't know the seed that they've planted in my life and how, but they sold into good, good ground. Right. And so, you know, on the other side of that is receiving the help, but also you being a destiny helper, right. You helping people along the way, you plant the seeds into people life. Um, and you, you never know the harvest that you will get by just planting on fertile ground in their life mm. and not to do it just to receive, but just to do it out of the kindness of your heart. And it doesn't always have to be money. It's time. It's a word of encouragement. It's a prayer. It's a phone call. It's a text. You know, it's showing up when they need you or supporting somebody, a Black-owned business or a minority-owned business that just started off the ground. Like, these are there are so many ways that you can also be a destiny helper where you don't have to necessarily spend a lot of money because help and support comes in so many different ways. And yeah, so just thinking about that, um, as far as yes, we're destiny help, we can be destiny helpers, but also people can receive the help from destiny helpers. So it goes both ways. So just to think about that when you have the people in your life or even strangers, you know, uh, I stood in line before and someone behind me or in front of me, I don't remember. They were like, oh, I'm going to pay for her groceries. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this happened years ago. But small little acts like that, like I've never seen this person again, but they don't know how they affected me. I think I was Mm -hmm. in college and at that time in college, I was broke. So God knew that I needed the money to pay for those groceries. <laughs> Listen, I done cried over a dollar before. I'm like, oh, oh 
don't know how much you need that sometimes shoot yeah (laughs) you just never know what people need like at all so being there to you know help someone along the way is is an amazing thing and so just thinking about expand your expand your horizon like expand outside of your immediate friend circle expand to other people be open you know drake no new friend song i don't believe in that because the reality is is that a lot of my newer friends (laughs) have been way more supportive than some of my older friends so listen be open to meet new people because you never know how those people may help you this is true right this is true I just had a parallel because, you know, sometimes people think, well, like, they on an island on themselves. Oh, I don't need no help from nobody, nothing like that. But even Jesus had somebody help him carry the cross, okay? So All right. <laughs> don't turn down them blessings or them destiny helpers who are genuinely supportive of you by helping you because they can very well be part of your tribe and you didn't even know it. And be open to building a new tribe. Listen, you know, past experience, I've realized that just because you expect somebody to do something, that does not mean they will do it. So be open to the possibility of building a tribe. And if you are a person where you're like, I don't have friends, I don't have support, then you'll be open to building new networks and new tribes from people. You know, God will send the right people along the way to help you along your journey. You just have to be patient and open to meeting new people because a lot of people, like you said, are like, no, nope, don't need no help don't want no help. I don't trust people. And it's like, well, you might miss out on a blessing just because you want to be self, you know, you want to be stubborn and say, I don't want help. And so it doesn't make you weak to say, I need help. And it doesn't make you a weak-minded person to want to reach out and accept the help. So that's what I would say in regards to destiny helpers, making sure that you're open to it, but they will come along when you least expect it. And so they'll tell you stuff you don't might not want to hear, but need to hear mm, too. <laughs> exactly. They'll check you now. I, I, I know some people <laughs> like that. <laughs> not rolling your eyes though. <laughs> but for real, they will. And so you got to be open to the to the positive criticism because sometimes we think our stuff don't stink and it do. And it comes and it comes from a person we least expect to check us and say no, no, sis you out of order or no you're not doing that right you need to do this and that and it's it for the most part it comes out of love right but you also have to be open to receive positive criticism and so speaking about people helping you and coming you know on your journey I also want to throw out the thing of uh, the question of or the topic of self-sabotage and imposter syndrome right because for me personally, I know in the beginning of my entrepreneur journey, I had imposter syndrome heavy. Like I didn't think I deserved the things that were happening to me. Like I didn't believe that I deserved, um, you know, some of the success that I was receiving because I felt like, you know, why me? I'm not good enough. Or I felt like other people deserved other people over me deserved it. I don't deserve this. And so self-sabotage happens often, especially when we allow negative stuff to come into our mind, right? When you will hear people say, well, you think you this and you think you that, or you'll never be this, or you'll never be that. And you allow that stuff to seep into your mind. It causes your internal struggles of, do I deserve this? do you know am i good enough can i actually achieve this especially if you've heard it for a long time especially growing up if you heard people tell you what you couldn't do 
people tell you you're not pretty enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not smart enough, uh, you're not this, you're not that, all of these things, you internalize those things. And then you start to sabotage your own self, right? I did that in early in my, in my journey. And I'll never forget, I was uh, invited to speak at an event, um, one of my first paid speaking engagements. And uh, because I had imposter syndrome real bad, I sabotaged myself and I didn't show up. I was so embarrassed. I didn't show up at all. Didn't say anything. Hopefully the girl not watching, but didn't say anything. <laughs> didn't say anything. And then like right before the event, uh, right literally a few minutes before the event, I said I had an emergency. And shameful, it's a shameful thing, but I want to paint the picture to how bad my imposter syndrome, how bad I sabotaged myself for that event. And I told her I had a family emergency and um, one, she never invited me to speak again, right? And two, that event turned into something that got public notoriety. And because I didn't show up out of fear, and sabotaging myself because I didn't think I was a good enough speaker to sit on the stage with all these wonderful bomb women. I didn't think I was good enough. So I worked myself up. I did feel sick, nauseousness and stuff like that. But I had worked myself up to that, thinking I wasn't good enough. And I sabotaged my opportunity. And I know that to some people, it's like, why would you do something stupid like that? But the reality is that a lot of people do it every single day. It may not look like what I, the example I said, but we self-sabotage ourselves, right? We procrastinate. We wait till the very last minute to do something then wonder why you got a D on this paper. Or uh, we spend up all our money and then wonder why we don't have no food to eat for the week. Like we sabotage ourselves out of the lack of knowledge, fear, insecurities, imposter syndrome, the list goes on and on and on. But self-sabotage is a real thing. And it's not just in your career, but it shows up in other places. Even, for example, if you've been single a long time and men have broke your heart left and right, you get a good man and you're like, well, something must be wrong with him. Oh, he must be gay. Or all these things we tell ourselves as women as to why this man can't be a good man and why this man can't be the one. Just because we've had a, a whole line of, quote unquote, bad relationships or men who ain't who weren't worth a quarter. Um, <laughs> in a relationship, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we so we sabotage those relationships. Oh, oh no, mm -mm, he must be lying. No, or this or that. And we tell ourselves all of these things and sabotage goodness that comes to us because of past bad relationships. And so self-sabotage comes in many different forms. And so that was my own personal example of self-sabotage. But Erica, what do you think about self-sabotage? It's absolutely true. It's, it's just you having these notions in your mind and you just, it's like, you just like, oh my gosh, like for me, that, that shows up like anxiety that I'm still working on. It's like, oh my gosh, like, especially public speaking, like, it's time for you to go forth and, and speak. It's just like, my nerves just like, <laughs> and it was so funny because even, like, in grade school, I was never one really that was afraid to read, like, <laughs> somebody to read, mm -hmm. my hand going up. So, but just at one point, I think I was, like, maybe 24, 25, something like that, 
And I had a thing where I was an open mic and saying poems and just like my nerves just got the best of me. And it's just like something that I've I've combated since then. I'm better, but not where I want to be. But it's just like it's it's things like that's just it's just a mental thing that you have to work through and work on. Mm-hmm. Um so for me it's just like even not wanting to, you know, speak publicly because it's like, oh my gosh, like am I am my my hands gonna quiver, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. It's like it's one thing for the you to have those things going internally but for me it's just like oh my gosh <laughs> like trying to like hold my hand down or whatever you know it's something that I'm working through but for me it's just like not even wanting to be in those states because it's just like oh my gosh like is this going to happen when I get there you know so right um but yeah and then I and I put myself on hold you know for years thinking <laughs> that I was going to get back with somebody like just like why you did that like <laughs> on hold where like I'm not <laughs> doing that no more like I'm not on hold for nothing to nobody so I think that's something that you know any semblance of somebody else that you know could have made me happy or it could have been a better relationship I was just like nah, nah this ain't this ain't what I wanted at the time but yeah, that was one of the biggest ways that I feel like I self-sabotage myself, you know, out of my happiness. Right. Even if I was alone, just, you know, allowing that situation to go so that I could, you know, be myself or prepare myself for the next thing, whether it be a life opportunity or for the person that I'm supposed to be with. So I think that's something that I absolutely <laughs> self-sabotage myself in, in that area. Hmm. Yeah, and definitely self-sabotage is a strong thing. And a lot of times we don't necessarily realize it at the forefront of it is normally like an afterthought of like, oh, this is a pattern. And if you can catch it early on, that's even better so that you don't keep repeating that same cycle. Because at the end of the day, self-sabotage is only sabotaging yourself, right? You are causing yourself um the struggle and the anguish because it's you it's not no it's not anybody else and so it's really a mindset thing right renewing your mind excuse me changing the way you think it's really a lot of mind work you have to do in order to break those cycles of self-sabotage to really tell yourself I deserve this I deserve better there's nothing I can't do I'm strong enough. I'm smart enough. I'm pretty enough. I'm talented enough. Whatever though you have to tell yourself as those positive affirmations, you have to constantly tell yourself those things to overcome that negative mindset or that negative way of thinking, because it's like a cycle over and over and over. And if you don't do anything to break that cycle, you'll, you'll live in that cycle. And that's not the best place to live sabotaging yourself when all when good things come your way or even not allowing the possibility of the good things to come your way because you're already counting yourself out so definitely if self-sabotage is something that you're struggling with work on changing the way you think and view yourself and your life and your situation and start you know I do this still but I tell my clients like say positive affirmations to yourself in the mirror a lot of times people make jokes about it like oh that doesn't work but it does if you start telling yourself these things as on a daily basis, if it's something you're struggling with, 
then tell yourself the opposite of that. If you think you're not smart, then tell yourself you're smart. You're an intelligent person. If you think you're not pretty enough, then you tell yourself you're your most beautiful thing walking. Like you better believe that thing. Like it in a conviction inside of your soul. You hear me? Right. That part. That part. You can't tell me I'm not Tyra Banks, okay? <laughs> I'm just you saying. You know, her purple shirt, y'all. Yes, okay. I did a little razzle dazzle for y'all today, okay? Listen, I'm trying to tell you, you better tell yourself who you are because if you don't know who you are, you other people will always people will try you, okay? So you better whole face all day, every day. You better make sure that you walk into that who you are and who you call to be, and um, and not allow the self-sabotage to keep you stuck or keep you in a place Mm. where feel like you don't deserve more because we deserve abundance of prosperity of life and if anybody tell you otherwise kick them to the curb that part period okay (laughs) (laughs) listen okay okay um so yeah so that's some those are the things that i wanted to talk that we wanted to talk about um today in regards to chain breakers we wanted to make sure that we covered some of those topics because you know, me and Erica talk about a whole bunch of stuff. This is why we created oh, yeah. our podcast. So we want to make sure to share a little glimpse of how our conversations go on a daily basis. PG-13 version. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> Got these people out here thinking we're ratchet. We're a sophisticated, classy women, okay? <laughs> well, Let's keep it yeah. together on this good old podcast <laughs> episode, okay? <laughs> on this good old Wednesday. Wednesday evening. (laughs) But yes, on all serious notes. So yes, we wanted to talk about that. If you guys had any questions, you can drop them in the comments on Facebook uh, before we get to the end of this episode. If you have any questions for about what we talked about, any questions for us at all, we'll answer them before we close out this episode. So drop them in the comments on Facebook and I'll look at them before we sign out. Uh, was there any last minute thoughts, comments, reflections that you had, Erica? No, but I love you and I'm so proud of you and all you're doing and how you will do. You're oh, looking wow. good, Graf. Graf, you too. Welcome, Listen, you, I can't wait to book, girl. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Listen, okay, when y'all see the visuals, okay? <laughs> From this book she got coming, I'm trying to prepare you, okay? Um, but yes, I'm definitely proud of you too. And definitely, definitely thank you for all of your support that you do. Um, always, always, always to infinity and beyond. I thank you for all of your support uh, and listening to me complain sometimes, but. <laughs> oh, it's <goes> both ways. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Definitely, definitely. Uh, let me look at the comments before we log off. So, thank you, ladies. You both look great. I will rewatch because I missed some things. Thank you, Rashawn. Shout oh, out to Rashawn. She is yes. one of our Ooh. avid listeners. Yes. Okay. Thank she you. She shows us so much support. Thank you, Rashawn. We appreciate the love and support that you yes. show us. Thank and you. so, if you want us to answer any of your questions, Outside of today's episode, definitely send us an email at tqnation at gmail.com. You can send in your questions. You can send us your questions on our Facebook page, the Queen's Cup Podcast, and on Instagram, Queen Cup, Queen's Cup Podcast. 
We are open to your questions, comments, feedback, everything. We love the support and we thank you so much. Um, make sure you follow us on those social media pages as well. And um, we are going to close out this episode. So thank you everybody who has chimed in on Facebook Live. We love and appreciate your support. Thank y'all. We definitely enjoyed this episode with you. Um, and so we're going to close out. So Erica, you want to take us out? Yes. One last thing. If you all can comment or, you know, y'all can do it separately. Um, any topics that y'all would like us to go live with or yes. even, you know, upcoming episodes, but especially for these live, like what y'all want to talk about? Yes. We're open to topics that you, you uh, ladies and gentlemen want to talk about. So definitely send us um, some topics you would like for us to talk about on the upcoming episodes. We are open to discussing mostly every topic that you guys want to talk about. <laughs> so uh, let us know. Yes. Well, without further ado, remember to... Fill yourself up because you can't pour from an empty cup. <laughs> Have a good one, guys. Thank you for listening. Have a good one.